0: Okay, uh, welcome to another week of the program here, and I have a number of questions to kick off the week. I want to get to them in a couple of moments. I also want to let you know, as always, Elliot Friedman stops by here in a couple of moments. Plenty of grist for the mill uh, with Elliot as it relates to news and information both on and off the ice from the weekend and to set up this week. Uh, Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now is going to stop by as well. He's got a really nice piece uh, on Bruce Cassidy uh, returning uh, to Boston, makes his return. After he was uh, relieved of his duties, as we uh, we uh, remember back from the uh, from the summer, uh, that's going to be a good game. Vegas and Boston. I know Vegas is kind of eh, waffled a little bit, but the Boston Bruins keep on trucking along we'll see what happens in that one uh this evening david amber from the nhl on sportsnet will stop by specifically david from rogers monday Night hockey and tonight it is the capitals and the oilers that means ovechkin and mcdavid slash when you say one you should say two because they are both that good also on the network tonight on sportsnet one we have the coyotes and the flames the canucks and the habs uh coming up on sportsnet pacific okay so that's the distribution there um, a few of the questions that I have to kick off this week, and one of them involves the Ottawa Senators, and specifically their captain. Here's what I wonder about. Was this the weekend that Brady Kachuk became his father? Okay, this is where you insert like the, the Star Wars music and the the Darth Vader drops. Was this the weekend that Brady Kachuk became his dad? Because this was the the... The weekend that I looked at Brady either against the New York Rangers on Friday or against the San Jose Sharks on Saturday and said he really feels like he's his dad now. The way that he played the Gordie Howe hat-trick for some of you old schoolers. Uh, you'll still refer to it as the Harry Cameron hat-trick, who was the first to ever record that, the goal of the fight and the assist. Um, and that, you know, that spotlight center ice fight with Jacob Truba at Madison Square Garden on, on Friday And then, of course, the crashing into Eric Carlson. Welcome back to Ottawa on Saturday. Scored in that game as well. Power play goal. That, to me, really felt like the first time that Brady Kachuk really became his dad. Maybe there have been moments like that for Matthew Kachuk. None come to mind right away. I'm sure there have been. But this was the weekend that Brady became Keith. Um, Here's another one for you. Is Rasmus Dahlin the new Nicholas Cronwall? Did you watch that Buffalo-San Jose game yesterday? Or at least did you see some of the clips from that Buffalo-San Jose game yesterday? Nick Cronwall, or, um, Nick Cron- I'm already calling him Cronwall. Rasmus Dahlin, in one instance, alludes at what would have been a thundering, and I mean thundering body check from one of the best power forwards in the NHL, San Jose's Timo Meyer, and then goes out to completely flatten Matt Nieto. Now, I know it's only a problem when your bull gets gored. I understand it, and a lot of San Jose fans were up in arms about the hit. The hit was fine. The hit was clean. The hit was textbook. The hit was hard to make. Like, we've talked a little bit about Kale McCarron and how one of his sneaky good skills is his body checking, separating player from puck, and he does it because his feet are that fast, and he can move that quickly on his edges. That Rasmus Dalin hit on Matt Nieto yesterday was a Picasso. And it's all because Rasmus Dallin is an outstanding skater. Now, you can't talk about body checks over the weekend without talking about Jacob Truba. And I already mentioned him in the context of the uh, the fight with Brady Kachuk on Friday. But I think you also have to pay attention to what we saw in the game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, Andreas Athanasiou you know was not thrilled about it and you know talked about him having zero goals and makes 8 million dollars and wants to hurt people etc and Max Domi after the game wouldn't even he said I wouldn't want to talk about that guy wouldn't even discuss Jacob Truba <clears throat> It's a defenseman that steps up on guys everybody and he's done this his entire career Um, The lion's share of the hits, although some may say are borderline, the lion's share of the hits are all clean. He does one of the hardest things to do in the NHL, and that is to hit in a punishing fashion, but hit cleanly. And it also serves as a reminder that as much as we put the skill on and a premium on speed and skill, etc., this is still a rough, tough, violent game. Uh, played by very skilled and very tough men. And we saw that with the Athanasio hit. Now, Athanasio may not have liked it, but let's listen to what Chicago Blackhawks coach Luke Richardson. Now, some may just say this is old school. Some may just say this is hockey. Here's how Luke Richardson, Blackhawks head coach, saw the hit on Athanasio. have any issues with the true no uh you know i I think nowadays there's not a lot of that so players used to know and talk about it uh you know so-and-so's on the ice keep your head up we don't there's not a lot of that anymore so maybe after tonight there will be some may say that's an old school thing to say by luke richardson others again will say that is just hockey um a couple of other things that i wonder about other changes coming in vancouver uh, we're going to talk to Elliot Friedman about the Canucks and Brockbester here in a couple of moments. But, you know, you wonder, and Elliot and I discussed this on the recent podcast that just came out, is this the prelude to something happening with Vancouver? I also wonder the same thing about the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, is it now the time that the Philadelphia Flyers start to, to court chart their their own new direction? And if so, we'll see where that ends up. And as we kick off the show here today, here's, here's something I want to leave you with, and I'll pick up with Elliot in a couple of seconds. So, Mitch Marner has, let's see how I'm going to say this. Mitch Marner has a point streak record in Toronto, but does he have the point streak record in Toronto? It's all a matter of perspective and we will give us some historical context as well. Welcome to the program. Elliot's on the other side.
1: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: So we got a lot to get to here. Uh, I mentioned David Amber coming up here in an uh, hour or two. Also, we'll talk to Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey. Now, Boston and Vegas—that should be a good one this evening. Uh, in the meantime, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and Thirty Two Thoughts is aboard. Hello, Fridge.
1: Hey, Jeff. How you
0: doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I I weighed actually having this conversation with you because I know how you like to roll your eyes back when I get into the minutiae of things, but this (laughs) this one I still think can be in the sweet spot of the bat for you here. So, you know, the congratulations, you know, came from all Maple Leafs corners, Mitch Marner and the 19-game point streak, um, you know, breaks breaks a record. (laughs) I'm being very careful how I use my words here. Breaks a consecutive point streak record in Toronto. So... I get to hockey night on Saturday, and one of the wonderful things when I first walk in is I have a conversation with Stan Narodka, longtime researcher, stats man, used to work for the Saints way back in the day. He's a hockey lifer. We talk about hockey lifers. Stan is a hockey lifer. And he brings up, we're talking about the Marner Point streak, and he brings up Babe Die. And for those that don't know, Babe Di was a player from the 20s. Um, actually, he was kind of pivotal in the formation of the Toronto Maple Leafs. More on that in a couple of seconds for each. But so Babe Di has a consecutive point streak with the Toronto St. Pats, the forerunners of the Toronto Maple Leafs, that stretched 20 games. Not 19 games, or not the 18 from Sittler and Olchuk, but 20. Now, here's the caveat he did it spread out over two seasons. Okay, so I reached out to the NHL um, today. So uh, Scott Rogers, the senior manager of Stats and Info, and said, how how do you how do you see this? You know, Marner has the 19 game point streak. True. But also Babe Dye went 20 consecutive games, albeit spread out over two seasons. And all you can do is play the games that are presented to you um, with at least one point in 20 of those games. So here's the response they gave me. I'm curious whether you think that Marner has a, a record or the record. So here here's what I got back from the NHL. The NHL standard for point streaks is consecutive team games with at least one point, quote, within a regular season. And therefore, Mitchell Marner has the longest, Maple Leafs fran- has the longest in Maple Leafs franchise history. Babe Di had at least one point in 20 consecutive regular season games contested by the St. Pats with 16 taking place in 21, 22 and four in 22, 23. That marks the longest such run by a Toronto player, quote, spanning seasons. Now, one of the interesting things here is that it was exactly 100 years ago that this took place, so we're arguing about Mitchell Marner and you know putting him back and comparing him to Babe Dye who played exactly 100 years ago. But nonetheless, the NHL creates the distinction that point streaks are considered within the season, whereas Babe Dye holds a record for spanning seasons. Do you make a distinction or do you say... Marner still has one to catch and two to beat.
1: So I, uh, I have three things I'd like to say here. Number one, that's oh, three geez. minutes of my life <laughs> I'm never getting back. <laughs> True. <laughs> number two, Jeff, why do you hate Christmas? <laughs> and, and, wow. and number three, I would like to tell the Marner posse. That's Marek, M-A-R-E-K, on Canada <laughs> Canada Four One One dot ca.
0: Okay, very good. They have my number. It's all right. They know how to get in touch with me.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I like I, I heard you talking
0: about this the other night, and I was like,
1: I can't believe this. I, I I was actually really hoping you could you would bring it up on the segment so I could play faint at the desk. Um, you know, I, I like. <laughs> You know, well, I'll tell you this, and the reason I have some kind of understanding of, of these kinds of situations is I, I can't remember the exact circumstance. Back when we were working at the fan together, and I was doing a lot of Raptors stuff, the Grizzlies were on an epic losing streak at one point in time. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm right, but people will tell me if I'm wrong. That the NBA had a, had a record losing streak that the Grizzlies were getting close to, and the and I think the there was one in season one, and there was one that was over two seasons, and the NBA's position was it only matters in season because things are different, and obviously there probably wasn't a lot mm-hmm. more different in 1922 as opposed to to 2022, but. I understand the whole thing about in season is the only thing that matters. I get it i, I don't I know you 're trying to whip up a big controversy ahead of our regional Dallas no, game last no, night with no, the robertson no, no, with the robertson Marner no. <laughs> showdown. We may have to address this on the show tomorrow
0: night. doesn't I, I just I just throw it out there as a matter of uh, hockey talk radio on a Monday morning/ slash afternoon grist for the mill we may call it as a, the, the one reason why I I I kind of like bringing up babe die and I know I'm really stretching here but yeah. you can make the argument that if it weren't for that if it weren't for babe die there wouldn't be a thing at, called the Toronto Maple Leafs now hear me out on this one so Con Smythe in 1926 was hired by a guy by the name of Colonel John Hammond to run the New York Rangers and it was his job to put together the team and he put together one of the best lines hockey's ever seen, the bread line uh... Bill and Cook, who were the masters of the drop pass, got them from they were from Kingston uh... Frank Boucher as well, like one of the best lines the NHL has ever seen, but the St. Pats made Babe Dye available and Chicago scooped him up and Hammond was so upset at Con Smythe for not grabbing Babe Dye that he fired him and brought in Lester Patrick to run the New York Rangers that led allowed Con Smythe you know to, you know to, to sort of wander off and then he was the one that uh, that bought and started uh, both the Toronto Maple Leafs and Maple Leaf Gardens as well so you can make the argument that Babe Dye is the reason there is a Toronto Maple Leafs that's why I always like to bring up that name and now I have a consecutive point streak to, to mention Babe Dye's name. I just think that it's interesting, grist for the male. Like, you can look at it and say, no, Marner has the record too bad because that's the way the NHL defines it. But then there will always be the hipsters, like me and Stan Narodka, that say... <laughs> As, and, and do the, and and whenever I say things like this, I want you to imagine it in your favorite Cliff Claven voice. Well, actually, <laughs> Elliot's well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, congratulations to Marner on the weekend. Uh, some interestingness there. Before this is I to get this you... is
1: your show. This is your show. You can do whatever you want. We have just spent the first yeah. eight minutes of our segment on this. I just I just want you yeah. to be yeah. aware of that. Yeah. Okay.
0: I, I, I understand that that's uh to, to me that that to that because what I'm trying to do here is, is what I've always wanted to do is do a hockey history podcast and I just don't have time to do it so I got to get it out when I can. Um, the latest news around the NHL, we'll get to some stuff from the weekend, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Jacob Voracek. Now, Voracek yes. announced today that, you know, he'll be out long-term um, suffering from concussion symptoms, and we certainly wish, wish the athlete the best. That's first and foremost. Um, I always really liked Voracek, both as a person Hi, and too. a player. Vibrant personality, just gregarious guy. All the guys loved him, too. Um, and have we slept on how good a playmaker he is? In the NHL between you know Philadelphia and Columbus for each.
1: Well, I would say probably Jeff because he's never really had too many. Like, where do people really make their reputations? It's in the playoffs, right? Playoffs, and you know, Phil- yeah, and Philly really hasn't had. I mean, they had that incredible run with uh, with with Giroux, and they had the one playoff berth in the yep. final, but you know, obviously he wasn't there yet, and. Uh, you know, they had the great run with Giroux Crosby when they were really battling. But, you know, they didn't really have a ton of moments with Voracek where they went deep that he could really make that reputation. There's, there's no denying his skill. He's got a phenomenal sense of humor. He's, he's a great guy to talk to. He, he really is. Um, you know, he was one of those players that when his team, whether it was the Flyers or the Blue Jackets, showed up in Toronto, you always wanted to go to the skate to see him to see just what he had on his mind that day. And uh yeah. you know, I, I don't it's not the it it was similar, like you knew that if you got him on a really good day like Yager, for example, it was gonna be gold. Mm-hmm. That something was coming out of his mouth that was gonna be awesome. I believe him and Wayne Simmons were roommates at one point in time. And you can ask Dave Amber about this because I think Amber was the guy he actually told it to. But Simmons said that the only thing he didn't like about Voracek is that Voracek is an absolute slob. I think that was the phrase he used. Um, but he, he, he's, he's a great player. Um, uh, he's a really talented guy. He's a really funny guy. You know, it's just, I mean, it's like, it's like anyone else. Like, you, you have these kinds of issues that you're battling, and nobody wants to see that, right? So you, you feel for him as a person. And uh, you know you just want him around because he's a good player and he's, he's great to talk to. Uh,
0: a couple of things about tonight's game: um, Flyers and Avalanche. and We've talked plenty about the Flyers over the past couple of weeks. We talked plenty about the Flyers last week as well. And. John Tortorella had one of again one of the quickest land speed records for for press conferences on the weekend. Um, the Rangers and the Blues and the Bruins and the Golden Knights. Before we get to the Canadian teams here, um, that is one of the marquee matchups tonight. Vegas and the Boston Bruins. The return of Bruce Cassidy. Um, like Boston's just been, they, they've looked like a different team. They play differently. Obviously, they're enjoying a, a lot of success. Do you have a thought on, on Bruce Cassidy, um, his past with the Boston Bruins, and now what he's able to do with the Vegas Golden Knights, who are, you know, listen, right in there as being one of the top teams in the NHL? Again.
1: Well, the, the all-time money on the board game, from what I understand, Jeff, is, was Mike Babcock's first game back in Detroit as, as a member of the Maple Leafs. I heard that. And... And, yeah. and the Red Wings had a ton of money on the board. And I heard so did the Leafs. Like, you know, one of the great stories from that game I've been told, and the person won't go on the record about it, but he said you can just tell the general story, is that, you know, the Leafs kind of got wind about how much money was going up on the Red Wings board. And there was a certain Toronto player who was like, forget this. And he put a big number up on the Leafs board. He said, we have to counter this. So that is... That is considered, um, <laughs> that is considered the all-time money on the board game, from what I understand. And I got to think that this will be a big one tonight too. Now, coaches are not yep. technically allowed to do that because Brian Burke and Ron Wilson, when they were in Toronto, they got caught doing that, and the league said no more of this. And uh, yep. and uh, but you know it's going to be there, and you know it's going to be there from the Bruins and. You know, I think this goes to something, Jeff, that you and I have been talking about for some time now. And it's just that sometimes the, the people need a different voice. Like it's worked out well for Boston mm-hmm. and it looks like it's working out well for Vegas. I mean, I, I, I hope, um, Eichel's going to be okay to play tonight. They're skating right now. I think the golden Knights, uh, he got hit the other night yeah. by a puck, I guess. And he's, and I, we don't know if he's going to play. I hope he's able to play, but I, I think this is just a reminder that sometimes things get stale and so, and then you need a uh, and then you need a change of voice and clearly that's worked for both teams. I think the other thing too about the Bruins Jeff is they 're not just winning games like look who they beat last week like oh, they they're beating good it's they're exactly. beating good teams they're beating good teams, and I just uh I, I'm looking forward to this one like There's a lot of good games tonight. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I've got to watch Amber because we have a good game tonight, the Washington-Edmonton. <laughs> but, yep. but uh, like, Boston-Vegas, that's going to be a hell of a game tonight. There's going to be some really good games tonight.
0: There are, and I want to get to Calgary here. It looks like Dan Valdar goes tonight for the Flames. But um, I'll, I'll I'll extend it. We've talked about this plenty as well. You know, you talked about Cassidy with Vegas um, Jim Montgomery with the with the Boston Bruins and just a refresh as well. Listen, man, you can you can extend that out um, because Pete DeBoer goes from Vegas to Dallas. Dallas are looking like you know killers. That was an interesting game against the Minnesota Wild um and you know uh, Rick Bonus <laughs> ends up with the Winnipeg Jets and all of a sudden they're one of the top teams after having really not done anything in the off seat where we thought it was going to be explosions and bodies out the door they brought in a new coach they took the sea off wheeler and they haven't looked this good since Dustin Bufflin was patrolling yep. the blue line so i just i just wonder i always wonder about the uh, the after effects and the aftershocks of when successful moves happen, I just wonder if this like, general managers around the NHL look at this and say hmm maybe it is just this easy we just change the coach and everything will be fine I know that's not true, but when there's a string of successful you know coaching changes it does influence how a GM can think
1: I, I don't think there's any doubt about that and I also think it's because Jeff as you know, it's so hard to make trades right now. There are so many teams in LTIR, you know, it, it, like we've, all, we've been spending the last 48 hours talking about Vasser, and you just look at how few teams have the cap room to just make a straight deal there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's, it just shows you that, you know, until the cap goes up, which everybody is hopeful will be this summer, we'll see, um, is, mm-hmm. uh, is it, you know, that, that kind of thinking does happen, no question about it
0: you mentioned Brock Besser, and that was a um, that was a big report on Saturday about uh, his camp being um, being allowed to uh, to call around and try to help facilitate a trade. Um, I know it hasn't exactly been the best of all possible seasons for Brock Besser, and I completely understand, having you know uh, lost parents myself. Um, what Mm -hmm. that first year is like. Um, So I always look at players who have significant losses, whether it's, you know, uh, you look at Adam Larson, with what happened with the Edmonton Oilers, and now you see Brock Besser um, with his his father, Duke. So I always look at that following season when all the anniversaries hit and say, like, okay, this is going to be a really challenging season. It's almost as if you get a mulligan year. I'm curious, from from your point of view, what do you think the market is like for Brock Besser right now?
1: It's tough. I mean... You know, Besser, I think, would admit as much as anybody else that he has to play better, too. I, I made a point of saying that both on Saturday night and uh, uh, in the pod today. Uh, he had, like, it's it's incumbent on two things. It's incumbent on the team to try to find a fit, and it's incumbent on the player to bring their best. And he struggled this year. I, I don't think there's any uh, sugarcoating that, and he has to play better, too. Um, I, I think this comes down to a couple of different things. Uh, number one, what the interest is. And number two, what Vancouver willing to do. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to find too many teams. that are going to say, okay, give us the full, uh, uh, give us the full deal without Vancouver, you know, agreeing to do something, whether it's take a contract back or take minimal return back. I do think Vancouver is prepared to, I don't like the word lose the trade. I think that's, I think about a question you asked, uh, Kelly McCrimmon, when we interviewed him on the pod about how cap space is a valuable thing. I think Vancouver is prepared yep. to uh, take less of a return, obviously, uh, if it can free up some cap space. Um, but, you know, these things are a challenge. They, they, the thing that is interesting about this is there's a lot of talk about what does it mean when the agent is involved. And does it mean that you can't do it or there's no will to do it out there? I think in this particular case, it's also an understanding that I think everybody realizes here, it, a change of scenery. might be very beneficial. And when you're running a team, you've got a billion things going on. And sometimes you can hand it yeah. to somebody who their sole focus is doing that. Now but he can't make a trade, um, Ben Hankinson on his own. Yeah. The Canucks still have to approve it. The Canucks still have to say yes. But sometimes it's it's good to get someone in there whose sole focus is doing that. Now, again, I, I think it comes down to what Vancouver might be willing to do. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are wondering about Minnesota. I think the problem with Minnesota is they're very careful about adding any term. And I think that if they're, if they're going to add term, It's going to have to be in a way that's
0: advantageous to them. Speaking of Minnesota, how is we all know Bill Guerin. First of all, straight shooting guy. Secondly, not scared to make big moves and big bold moves. Uh, Here we are in early December, December the 5th, and I would imagine managers now around the NHL are starting to get itchy to do things yep. with their teams. How, uh, how, uh, how frisky do you expect Minnesota to be? Like, we all understand the Capel reality that they're, that they're going through, yeah. so park that. Um, how aggressive do you think Guerin gets?
1: Well, I think, as you said, he's generally aggressive to begin with. I, I think he's going to look to find yep. a score. I do. Um, you know, we'll see what that means. We'll see how he has to juggle things. Like, I've just been told about them. They're not adding terms unless it's an absolute game-breaker of a player. And th- that's kind of what I understand. That's one of the reasons that Reeves released it well for them. It was only a one-year deal. Um, I- and I think that's kind of where they are. It's, it's, uh, he'll look for a scorer, but it's more likely than not going to be a rental unless it's a complete game-changer.
0: All right, a couple things quick before we let you get on with uh, the rest of your walk. Calgary Flames, Arizona Coyotes, Sportsnet one this evening. Dan Vladar uh, gets to start for the Calgary Flames. Your thoughts on uh, that team and that goalie and that goalie situation?
1: Uh, well, I understand what I understand what Calgary's doing, right? You've got Markstrom in a bit of a crisis of confidence for himself right now. I really liked actually on. Uh, Saturday night in the Calgary-Washington game, Kelly showed that bit where Ladar comes over to the bench and he's very helpful yeah. to him. Markstrom wow. is very helpful to Ladar. Like, the worst thing you can be as a goalie in that situation is you can't be a total suck. Like, you have to be a good teammate. And obviously, you know, Markstrom is. Um, it, I, I, But I understand the decision. Number one, Calgary needs wins. Uh, they... Yep. They need wins, so you've got to go with the guy who you think gives you a better chance to win. And Ladar, I thought, played really well against Washington. Washington was all over them at the end of that game. Could have made it even more interesting than they did. He stood up. I, I, I don't see how anybody can have a problem with this. Uh, is anyone going to argue that right now Ladar gives you a better chance to win? Nope, no, I don't. Goalie. And although he's, sooner, he's sooner rather go. than later, Markstrom's going to be back the number one guy there.
0: I don't think anybody doubts that. Um, and we'll talk to David Amber more about the uh, the Edmonton-Washington game coming up in uh, Hour 2 with Amber. But do you have a quick thought on uh, Connor and Leon versus Alex tonight on Sportsnet? Well,
1: I mean, how could you not be excited to watch this? I thought Montreal gave That's Edmonton awesome. everything they could handle the other night. Uh, and those guys are just too good. They're too good. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, they just... I mean it's incredible to watch. You know, now it's a tough one for the Capitals because I see they made a call up today. So Kemper's out, right? So it's a it's a big challenge for Charlie Lindgren. And you know, one one person's injuries another person's opportunity and that's it's just a big one for Lindgren, but that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a really tough one for the Capitals because Kemper is the guy you sign Kemper for games like this. This is the night you need Kemper to give
0: you a chance, and, and he's not there. A lot of people in the offseason talked about how the sneaky best signing in the offseason may have been lingering with Washington, though, when you look at how he's done in the American Hockey League uh, the last few yep. seasons. and specifically last season, this one's you're right. this one's a huge one for, uh, for lingering. Uh, it's the Washington Capitals and the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Um on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh David Ambrill would join me in an hour or two. Uh gonna get on the Bruins page here in a second with uh, with Jimmy Murphy. Uh Frege, excellent stuff. So is it the record or a record for Mitch Marner?
1: Like I said, like I said, it's M A R E K on Canada four one one dot C A <laughs> For all the Marner yeah. lovers. He's got the record, Jeff. Just deal with it, okay? But I, I guarantee to you I'm just... the great grandchildren yes. of the Die family, they really appreciate you remembering yeah. their great grandfather.
0: I I believe that to be true. Uh thanks as always for each enjoy yeah. the rest of your walk. They're the dark money behind this campaign, right? The the die, the die. <laughs> who's funding you, Merrick? Who's funding you, Stan? Who's funding you, Stan Narodka? Uh, okay, conspiracy theorist. Back to the grassy knoll for you. Thanks, Fridge. All uh, right, bye. All right, there he is, uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, coming up in hour two, David Amber is going to stop by from Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Also, in a couple of moments here, we're getting on the Boston Bruins page. Man, this team is good. Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey. Now, it is the Bruins and the return of Bruce Cassidy as the Vegas Golden Knights. And we have our fingers crossed, as everybody does, that Jack Eichel is healthy and good to go in this one. Bruce Cassidy and the Knights versus Montgomery and the Bruins. Jimmy Murphy comments in moments. Merrick show continues. I really try to get that Marner thing going for you, Jim. just not going to take the bait. Hopefully they do it on TV tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, (laughs) Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360. Back in a moment.